All right. Okay, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I told you I wanted to introduce two people to you uh, this weekend. And so I introduced to you uh, David, uh, and I also want to introduce to you to, uh, Scott. And you know Scott, he's up here leading worship every weekend, but he's going to have a different role this weekend. And it kind of made me think it was a year ago that uh, we were having conversations. Scott was living in South Carolina, and uh, I can remember having conversations where we'd just talk about, you know, wouldn't that be cool if somehow, against all odds, you ended up at Gateway as our worship leader? And uh, God has just really worked in some amazing ways, and he and his and Anna are part of our family now, and their son Theo as well, and you'll hear plenty about that this morning. Uh, but I wanted to give Scott an opportunity to preach, and so this is really his first kind of full-fledged, full-on preaching experience. I mean, except for last night, right? Yeah, it's so long, yeah. And, um, <laughs> And you gotta love just the beauty, because I just thought if you gotta break someone in uh, into preaching, what could be funner than Ecclesiastes? Right. So uh, and and death and and funerals and all that, all that's gonna be yeah. a mix this morning. It's, be a fun and morning. it's yeah. gonna be awesome. Yeah. So uh, I want to just pray for Scott, and then uh, we're gonna have him bring the word to us. And I just, you know, I want to encourage you. I've mentioned this before, but. When I came to Gateway years ago, I'd only preached a couple of times, and uh, so I really kind of learned how to do that here, and you guys were really patient with me, and uh, you know, just really encouraging when I'm sure I didn't deserve it, and a lot of pats on the back, and uh, for, for good or for ill, however you feel about it, I really feel like the Gateway family has made me who I am today as a teacher of the Word of God. And that's why I feel really good about putting Scott up here because I know he's in really good hands. You guys will be praying for him and encouraging him as he brings the Word of God to us. Let's do that. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for uh, the time that we've had over the last nine weeks in this amazing, challenging book. And we want to pray this morning for Scott as he brings the Word to us that you will help him to remember all that he's studied, all that he's meditated on, all that you have put on his heart. But I also pray for us that you would, as we said a few weeks ago, uh, guard our steps when we come into your house, that we would be ready and, and quick to listen and to hear your voice. I know you have something to teach us this morning. I pray your spirit would speak to our hearts and that we would be active listeners and embrace what you have for us. Thank you for your word. We love it. Now bless it now as it, it comes to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, it's good to see everybody. I wondered how I might feel not holding a guitar in front of you. And I found out last night, pretty naked. <laughs> uh, so, so I thought about I thought about today, you know, maybe having one of the guitars up here and I could kind of walk around and strum as I as I talked, but ultimately decided against it. Uh, well, it's it's really good to see you again this weekend and uh, I'm excited about this passage. Uh, Bob first talked to me about preaching in Ecclesiastes a couple months ago, probably. And uh, you know, I, I sort of was like, yeah, you know, that'd be really fun, and, and I, I like Ecclesiastes. You like Ecclesiastes. Everybody likes Ecclesiastes. And then I looked at my passage, and it was Ecclesiastes 7, 1 through 6. And if you Google 
uh, the phrase house of mourning, not like mourning of the rising sun, but like to mourn and be sad, uh, our passage would come up. And so I went back to my office and I was like, oh, this is going to be really fun. And I, you know, I, lo I looked at the passage and I was like, what have I done? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I, I've sort of over the last couple months got to sit with this passage. And, uh, and it's full of hard truth. It's not, it's not an easy one uh, at first glance uh, just to, to read and to sit with. It's, it's, you know how in the Bible there's, there's verses you really like and there's places you want to go and there's just, you know, Philippians 4 is one of those places for me. And then there's places in the Bible you just sort of pretend aren't there. Well, Ecclesiastes 7 would normally fall in that category for me, but kind of being forced to s sit with it a little bit and kind of let it kind of sink in, I started to realize, you know, there's a lot of really good truth in here. And sometimes when there's really good truth and, and you know you're in the middle of really good truth, uh, there's kind of a peace that comes with that. And then as time went on, it, it kind of went from being there to sort of this place where actually I realized it's filled with a lot of good news and it's filled with a lot of hope and encouragement. So I hope you'll find that today. Why don't we read it together real quick. It says this, uh, a good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. It's better to go into a house of mourning than a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. It's better to heed the rebuke of a wise person than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. And this too is meaningless. So again, uh, probably not a passage you would think to like cut out and put on your dashboard uh, of your car, you know, driving to work, uh, but uh, a passage full of, of good truth, sometimes hard to face, but that's what we're going to do today. Uh, we're going to face it, and we're going to get through it together, and I think it's going to be really good. Uh, before we do, uh, why don't we uh, just pray and just ask the Lord for an open heart this morning. Uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. Uh, just for bringing Anna and I and Theo to Gateway, and just what a blessing uh, this family has been to us, Lord. Uh, Father, uh, thank you for every person you've brought through these doors today. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for giving us the gift of life. And Lord, as we talk about that this morning, Lord, I pray that um, you would remove any hindrance or distraction Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds. Father, I pray that you would just speak through me, Lord, and that your word would be imprinted uh, on our hearts this morning. Jesus, we uh, lift you on high this morning. We are happy to be in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I was in high school, I grew up going to a church down the street a little bit uh, called Laurelwood down there on 172nd, and, uh, and I went pretty much all the way through, from like 6th grade all the way through 12th, and uh, 
And I loved summer youth group because it was generally like down a little bit. So we would play all sorts of games and you know, kind of do things we wouldn't normally do in the fall. And one of the games we used to play that I used to love was called Bigger Better Scavenger Hunt. Did any of you ever play Bigger Better Scavenger Hunt? No? Yes? Ah, good. There's a couple. Well, so here's the premise of Bigger Better. It's actually really important we understand it today. Uh, Bigger Better was this thing where all the youth would come together and we would kind of break into teams of maybe seven to ten people. And you needed that many people. And from there, each team would be sent to a different neighborhood or a different street, hopefully with a leader. And uh, a group of us kids would go and uh, the bravest one would knock on the first door and, uh, and we would ask to trade up. Now, before we left, we would have been given like a thumbtack or something really small, a, a guitar pick or something. And, and each team would have the same thing. And so we'd go to the first house, we'd knock on the door, and you'd say something like, hey, I'm Scott, I go to Laurelwood down the street, and our youth group's playing a game tonight, and uh, it's, it's bigger, better, and we want to see if we can trade you this thumbtack for something bigger or better. People were always kind of like a little confused about that, but then they'd be like, oh, okay. And they would trade us something bigger or better, so maybe a pencil or something like that, right? So we'd get a pencil. Go to the next house. Hey, Scott, Laurelwood, how's it going? Hey, uh, we want to trade up for something bigger or better. So they'd look around the house and say, oh, okay. So something a little bigger or better. So maybe a book or something like that. I remember one time, actually, uh, one of the groups got a Book of Mormon. And that, <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember what we did with it. Anyway, so uh, what was fun is at the very end, all the groups would go back to the youth room or the church, wherever we were hanging out at the time. And every group would kind of bring back, like, their treasure, right? And it was big stuff. Like, it got big really fast. Like, you know, once you get past, you know, something that big, it just gets big. So that's one of the reasons you needed seven people is I just remember countless times being one of seven people, like, lugging a couch down the street or something like that. And these were never good couches. You know, these were never, like, couches you would ever want to sit in. you get, like scabies or something, I don't know. Uh, and so, and so when, years later when I was a youth pastor, I realized <laughs> you don't want to play this game. You end up with like a, a room full, a church full of junk, and then you've got to deal with it. So there was a legend back in the day that one group, one year, long before my time, eons before my time even, <laughs> uh, brought back a car. Right? And so I, that's one of the reasons I loved it. I was like, we're going to bring back a car, you know. And then when I was a youth pastor, I was like, Lord, why not a bus, you know, something bigger. So, but that was a legend. I never knew it was true, get this, until last night. So, I'm, I, you know, I, I tell the story last night, and after the sermon, Bob comes up to me. And sometimes when Bob has something to say, and he's really excited to say it, he walks really fast. And he's walking really fast to me, and I was like, I accidentally said something heretical, I don't know. And he's like, here's what you need to know. That story is true, because I was the youth pastor when it happened. So, apparently, <laughs> you can bring back a car. So, if anyone's looking for a free car or a way to do that, I have an idea for you, and we can talk about it afterwards. Um, <laughs> And that is kind of what Solomon is doing in this passage today. He's going to give us ideas. And one idea is going to be good. And there's going to be something really pleasing about that idea. And then the next idea he gives us is going to be something that's maybe kind of hard to hear. But for the sake of living a better life under the sun, and for the sake of living a life of wisdom, it's going to be something that's bigger for our lives and better for our lives. So it's, it's something that 
again and again, as I've read over this passage, is so important to remember. So I've kind of broken this passage down into a few different parts and, and kind of themed them. And the first would be this, it's verse one, and, and it's just simply this, that, that life, life is short and it's really frail uh, because we are just people and we're kind of all in this human experience together, that is a lesson you know all too well that life is short. But Solomon kind of says that's okay. And actually, he's going to give us some really good advice today for using a short, quick life and, and using that to find wisdom and using that to find just good, virtuous living under the sun. And, and ultimately, I think, a life that, that pleases the Lord. And so if we look at this first passage, it says this, that a good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death is better than the day of birth. So the first comparison there is a good name and perfume. Perfume in those days, uh, the, the, the like Hebrew there is like a, it's just fine or good oil. Uh, some translations use the word ointment there. I chose not to go with that because ointment is gross. Uh, but uh, the idea here is, is just something that was good and pleasing and, and would be used uh, maybe for, you know, the idea of scent or something like that. So perfume was used to uh, display wealth. It was often a sign of wealth if you had, uh, if you had fine oil laying around. Uh, it was something that you might give to somebody as a gift or receive as a gift. But it was also something that was put on in times of joy and in times of feasting and celebration. In other words, perfume was something really, really good. And he says, but I can tell you something better, and that's to have a good name or a good reputation. Well, even back in those days, it would have been like, of course, that's better. Right? If you had a good name, you could do business with people. If you had a good name, you would generally, you, you had, you know, you have a good reputation for a reason. It's kind of what he's saying. Perfume is a good thing, but having a good name, having a good legacy, um, having good friends is so much better. Likewise, the day of birth is better than the day of death. Now for me, and probably for you, that's like, what? Uh, you know, day of birth is a good thing. It's a great thing, and something kind of close to my heart right now, because Theo was born seven months ago, as of like yesterday or the day before. Uh, and, and so it's something that is pretty vivid for me. You know, I remember actually the day he was born pretty well, and part of that is because once you see birth, you don't really unsee it. But <laughs> the other part of that is just because it's a total miracle. And when Theo came out, I just remember some of those verses jumping to mind that we are knit together in, in our mother's womb and that God is such a process, uh, such a part of that process. I remember Theo coming out and, and he looked right at me. And looking back on it now, I think it's because I was probably like, ah, like screaming. Like, and, and my job was because they give the guys jobs when you go through this because, you know, we freak out. And, uh, you know, my job was to tell the gender because we didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl. And I would like to say I didn't care which gender it would be, but I did. And, and then I was like, I didn't know. I'd never seen before. So I was like, will I be able to tell? I, I don't know. I mean, like, what's going on? I, so he comes out, and I'm like, it's a boy! You know, and so it was just, it was a really, really good day. And the way it brought people together, the way it brought family together, the way it brought Anna and I together, it, it changed our lives forever. And so, too, uh, he says that the day of death, is even better. So as we think about wise living, and we think about living a better life under the sun while we're here on this earth, he says, you know, if you really want to get serious about it, 
it's not just the good stuff. It's not just the good times in life. Actually, you know, if you really want to think about it, you should think about death. You should think about the fact that life is really short. Uh, some years back, uh, we lost my grandmother. And uh, that, that was a really, really hard day. And, 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 you know, my grandmother was one of these people that was kind of larger than life. She had a laugh that, you know, I can just still hear today. Uh, my grandmother had 11 kids and uh, very much held everybody together. So I, I come from a really big extended family. There's like 35 cousins my age. And, you know, now there's a whole even bigger generation of, of younger ones. And uh, my grandma somehow held everybody together. Uh, they lived in this tiny farmhouse uh, out in the middle, out, outside of Walla Walla. And, and it was this tiny, tiny little house. And behind this house was just like the desert hills of Oregon. And what I remember about this house growing up is everybody was there. Everybody was there. It was packed with people. You know, we, we don't entertain today because we're like, we don't have enough space. She was living proof that's just not true. Uh, you know, and... So, so when, she, when she died, I just remember, you, you know, we were all there in town, and it just shook me to my core. But it also, you know, going forward from that, and especially, you know, around the time of the funeral and kind of moving forward in life, uh, it, it, I, I thought about life in ways that I hadn't before. Um, I, I thought about living my life in ways that I hadn't before. I thought about her kindness and her compassion, and I thought about her faith thought about the fact that she just loved Jesus, and she would tell you about that too. And she was so good at it, so natural at it. So, so life is short, and you know, it's okay. And actually, as we begin to think about that, it's actually really good. As a matter of fact, that's kind of where we're gonna go next, that, that life is short, and it's actually, that's really good for our heart. Uh, uh, and let's just read that together. Uh, and it, it is better to go into a house of mourning in a house of feasting, death is the destiny of every man. The living should take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, because the sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. So, if you caught it, the word heart appears quite a bit. It appears four times in all of that. And uh, what, what's interesting, well actually, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. There's, there's three reasons in there. Uh, that he gives us that this is so good for us. The house of mourning, the house of sorrow. I mean, these hard things in our lives that all of us know all too well. He says there's three reasons they are really important for us. And the first is that it's the destiny of every person. Uh, Psalm 90.12 says it this way, and I think it says it the best that I have found. It says, teach us to number our days so that we may gain the heart of wisdom. So this was actually written by Moses. And what I love about that was that this is one of the older psalms that we have. And so from the, the very beginning, in essence, people have understood that if you want to be wise and you want to live a good life, it's best to realize that it goes by really fast. It's fragile. It's, it's frail. And so we make the most of it while we can. The second reason that it's, it's really important that we realize death is the destiny of every person is because it's the destiny of every person, not just you and me. You know, we live in a world today that is constantly separating. Uh, and it's been that way forever. You know, I'm in this history class right now as I finish up seminary. 
And uh, one of the things I've been learning is like racism and caste systems and slavery and all these things, they just go back to the very beginning. It's just we are, are, are part of our fallen human nature says we should separate and we should classify and we should put labels on people and we should box ourselves in. And, and if you look around today, I think that's still very prominent in our society. But here Solomon gives us some advice that actually there's a lot of things that hold us together. Birth, death. You know, Philippians says that one day every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess. It doesn't mean we're all going to heaven. It means that one day we're going to all see that Jesus is Lord. So when you really look at people and people in your life and your friends and the places you work and your street, you might be tempted to think, I don't have a lot in common with people. But Solomon here says otherwise. Because we have a very epic common ending. So uh, it's, it's the destiny of every person. The second reason he gives us uh, that life is short, and it's actually good for our hearts to realize this, uh, as he simply just says, it, it's good for our heart. And again, it exists, uh, the word heart, four times here. And in kind of the ancient mindset, heart was more than just like what beats and pumps blood. Uh, it represented the innermost part of a person. You know, there's verses that talk about man's secrets and his hearts. Uh, you know, one of my favorite places that talks about it in the Old Testament is when uh, God is rejecting Saul as the king of Israel. And, uh, you know, the, the story is uh, uh, in 1 Samuel 16, and uh, he rejects Saul as king, and he sends Samuel to go and find the new king. And all Samuel knows is he's of the line of Jesse. Well, you and me today, we know that's David. But Samuel didn't know at first, and we kind of see that. And, and he first runs into David's oldest brother, who was a warrior, who probably had a really big beard, like I'll never have. Um, and he just, he looked kingly. And, you know, there's a, a passage in there I really like. And he says, you know, uh, people look at outward appearance. We do. We look at what people wear. We look at how uh, people present themselves. We look at how blessed they appear to be. Uh, we look at uh, how fortunate they are or, or how unfortunate they are and, and how their lives are so hard. And I love this. God tells Samuel, he says, but the Lord looks at man's heart. Uh, Jesus quotes a, a very old prayer called the Shema. He says to Lord, uh, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Um, so it's really important uh, when Solomon talks about uh, the house of mourning, talks about suffering, talks about hardship. He says that, you know, these things are actually really good for our heart. They're good for the deepest part of who we are. It's good for the deepest part of who we are because it's actually what we really have in common with other people. Third reason is this, uh, is because he says that the house of mourning, the process of sorrow, this is the location of wisdom. It's where we find wisdom today. You know, uh, so some years back, uh, I'm kind of a hypochondriac a little bit. Uh, some years back, I had a mole. It was black, it was growing, and in a weird spot, and my doctor was concerned about, so he shaved it off and sent it in for a biopsy. And, you know, I, just growing up in churches and stuff, just know a lot of people who have died of cancer. So my mind went straight to, it's over, you know. Uh, so we, we send in this thing for a biopsy. I've never got a biopsy, first time going through that. And, and I just remember that week, and I just remember praying, and I remember, actually looking back on that week, you know what I remember? I remember spending a ton of time with Jesus. That's what I remember. I remember I just hung on to everything a little bit more. I just remember my perspective changed. Why? Because when we accept the fact that life is short and it's frail, can lose everything in a second, 
it makes us kind of appreciate what we have. It kind of changes our perspective into wisdom. Now I'm not saying go be a hypochondriac. I'm just saying realize that, that life, life is short and we find wisdom in that. Or uh, last year uh, we were working with a, a youth ministry in South Carolina and there was this kid in our youth group who was, uh, I don't know, the, the, the saying was you had to experience Chris. You couldn't just meet him. He was just loud and he was, he was fun and his whole family was that way. Columbia was a pretty small town and his dad was sort of a staple of the community. As a matter of fact, his dad was somebody that like all the kids would talk to. He was just kind of like the cool parent. He didn't try to be, he just was. And, um, and one day uh, he had a, a stroke and he was gone within 12 hours and the whole family was home. It was this like horrible situation. And I remember back to that time and actually what, what was funny is a lot of parents had been calling me that week because just with that group of kids, there was a lot of drama. There was just a lot of stuff going around. It was just sort of this weird, you know what times in life where there's just a lot going on and you're sort of like, what is actually happening? It was one of those times in, those communi in, in that community and I remember that process, that horrible process. And I remember kids going to that funeral together. And I remember kids walking through that together. And you know what I saw? I saw relationships begin to mend. I saw conversations get deeper. I saw God use a very scary, dark, dreary situation for the good. And I actually saw how mourning and sorrow can work together in our lives and work together in our communities to give us a different perspective. So if we want a better life, if we want a life filled with wisdom, it's good to realize that life is short. And realizing that is really good for our hearts. Lastly is this, that life is short and it kind of ends with a warning. So we live it wisely. We don't waste our lives. See, here's the thing about the house of, of feasting, which I'm going to go do after the sermon. I'm going to go feast and, and laughing and, and enjoying life. We should do those things. Remember, bigger, better. He's not saying that they're bad to do. He's saying you should laugh. He's saying you should feast. You should wear some perfume. Have a good name. But he's saying don't live there. Don't camp there. Don't use things like laughter and celebrating to cover up the other parts in life. In fact, if we really want to get the most out of life and we really want to live well today, what we should do is actually think about some of those harder things. So life is short and we live it wisely. It is better to heed the rebuke of a wise person than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. And he says this too is meaningless and kind of our theme word for the summer, I guess, hebel. So uh, to, to heed the rebuke of a wise person. Well, who's wise? We've sort of talked about that. People who have been through, through real things like mourning and they haven't run from it. You know, I think about Jesus how he was constantly found among those who were hurting and sick and mourning. He went to the hard places. I love passages that talk about how he was overwhelmed with his compassion uh, that just so freely just seemed to spill out among the multitudes and crowds. Uh, so, so wise people have been through this. Wise people, they have a good name. Uh, it's part of going through those hard things as they develop our character. And he says, you know what? It's better to listen to a hard word that would come from them. It's better to, to hear something that would challenge us and to send us into a hard part of our life than it is to listen to the song of a fool. Song of a fool is probably just something that's happy. We, we have relationships like that. We, we all do. Uh, people in our lives that are, are just 
shallow. They tell us what we want to hear. They make us laugh. It's pleasant to see them every single time because they live a life of laughter. It's hard to go into the hard places, and it's exactly where Solomon says we should go. See, the people in House of Mourning, they're exactly where he says they should be. And here he says they're exactly who we should go talk to if we want to get serious about life. Then he says, like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of the fools. The crackling of thorns, probably just an idea of, I don't know the last time you burned thorns, probably not too recently, um, but uh, thorns were small, they would ignite really fast, they would burn really bright, and then they were just gone, just smoke. Uh, pine cones are like that for us. I love pine cones. They make awesome fires for a second. So I would never actually build a fire of pine cones. We couldn't use it for anything. Uh, you want to throw a nice big log on that thing. You want it to burn bright so you can see in your dark backyard. You want it to burn right so you can roast some weenies and actually do some stuff with it. And he says, so too is our life. When, when, if we spend time just in the shallow parts, if we spend time with easy answers, if we spend time just, just trying to build up our kingdom here and enjoy our life here, and we never go to those hard places and we never let ourselves experience them, it's just having no substance in our fire. It's just something that bellows out quickly. And he says that is the laughter of fools. And ultimately, it's meaningless. Not an easy passage, but full of wise words that if you sit with him a little bit this week will probably really inspire you. I'm going to close with this, and then uh, we'll pray. Uh, when I was growing up, my dad and I used to go camping a lot. And uh, we, we would go up by where my grandma lived, and we would drive our truck out to as, as far as we could go. And, and really, behind their house, it was just hills. And so you could drive out for a while, and then the land was just too rough. So we drive out as far as we could go, and we had this tent. We had this old tent with these like aluminum poles, tons of poles. I don't know why you would need all of those poles. And so we would, we would hike out as far as we could go. And I remember just carrying like endless loads of stuff back and forth to the truck all day. And so you'd finally get out there, and the last thing we would bring was the water. And we had this big, huge tank of water we would take with us. And that was our water for the weekend or however long we were going. And so I remember my dad telling me how precious that water was. So we didn't want to get out there and like water the desert, you know, hills. Like that wouldn't be very wise. We didn't want to get out there and have a water fight. That wouldn't be very wise, although maybe fun. Uh, we wanted to use the water carefully. I didn't learn that lesson very well. I don't apply it in my life at least because if you went to my house this week, you would probably see at least three cups of half, half full water. Uh, you know, if I wanted, I could take nine showers a day uh, just because we have access to a lot of water in our house. Doesn't mean we should do those things. We just could. But our lives aren't like that. Our lives are much more like the jug of water. And we're slowly using them. They're slowly being spilt out, if you think about that. So it's important that we use our water well. It's important that we use our lives well. And we use our lives for what they were meant to do, which is to bring glory to God. And, uh, you know, today we have a helper in the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus to fix our eyes on who walks with us in the hard times, who encourages our hearts, who brings other people into our path to encourage us when we're down. You know, if you think about it, there's just, there's no other way to live outside of a life with Christ. It's impossible to really live a wise life. It's impossible to be prepared for the next life.
You know, this passage is challenging because it reminds us that life goes by quick, so every day is massively important. That's encouraged me this week. Kind of put a lot of pressure on this week. But it's been really good for me, and I pray it will be good for you too. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your word today. Father, we thank you that uh, you've made a way for us to know you. We thank you that you are with us and you comfort us in hard times. Lord, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the boldness to walk into hard times. And not just spend our lives doing what's easy and ultimately shallow. But Lord, that we would walk with you, that we would follow you wherever you might take us this week. Father, prepare us for that. And even if we're not ready for it, give us the courage to trust you in those hard times and those hard relationships and situations. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.